I'm Chris Reback. This is Political Wire Conversations. Will Republicans retake the Senate in 2014? What will happen in the House? What's the latest in 2016 presidential politics? People who want to stay ahead of the curve in politics turn to our good friends at the Cook Political Report for answers. For more than 30 years, Charlie Cook and his team have nailed the nation's most important election outcomes and political trends. CBS News' Bob Schieffer calls the report, quote, the Bible of American politics. Nate Silver says few have, quote, a longer track record of success. If you make it your business to know politics, you need to subscribe to the Cook Political Report. Head over to cookpolitical.com slash political wire. That's cookpolitical.com slash political wire to sign up today. And now to our conversation. As we continue our deep dives into midterm 2014 key states, we visit a place where the focus is not the Senate, but the governor's mansion. It's also a place that's been at the center of every presidential race since the 2000 election, and 2016 is no different. In fact, the state may offer up not one, but two potential major candidates. Of course, we're traveling to Florida, where the upcoming governor's battle not only will set the state's political tone, but also party momentum for a place certain to play a central role in 2016. Will Jeb run? Will Marco? And could either of them beat Hillary? Helping us understand the players and the politics, Adam Smith, Tampa Bay Times political editor. He's been named the best political writer in Florida by WashingtonPost.com and one of the country's top 10 political reporters by the Columbia Journalism Review. Adam, thanks for joining me. Those honors bring a lot of pressure. Do you feel it? I feel intense pressure. Yes, thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, no problem. Well, then we'll, we'll we'll stick then to topics that you know uh, better than just about anybody else. Florida politics. So we'll we'll reduce all the pressure, and this this will be smooth sailing. I'm certain. <laughs> let, let, let's start with the biggest, soonest race: the battle for governor. Before we get into 2016 in a little bit, um, the sitting Republican governor Rick Scott faces former Republican governor Charlie Crist. Christ, of course, turned independent, now runs as a Democrat. Uh, a race with two former sitting governors from the same party is not a common storyline, is it? No, and this is one of these, uh, really, you can't make this stuff up, Florida political stories, where, you know, Charlie Christie really is almost Shakespearean. He he uh, was the leader that had 77% approval ratings as a Republican governor, was seen as a uh, vice presidential shortlister, if not a future presidential contender in the Republican Party, kicked the, to the curb during the, the Tea Party movement, and now uh, trying to resurrect himself and very well may win the governor's mansion again as a Democrat. Unbelievable. And, and what do people there feel about his, you know the, the first Republican then you know went independent a bit during that Senate race after uh, um, you know you know after the Republican primary didn't work out for him, um, and now Democrat? Do folks feel Feel that well, you know, Charlie Crist is Charlie Crist, and if the parties are moving and shifting, and and the Republican Party is moving more conservative, well, he is who he is. Or is the sense that well, Charlie's a bit opportunistic here? Well, I think there definitely is the sense that Charlie's a bit op- uh, opportunistic here, but I'm not sure to the average uh, voter uh, there that that's much of a surprise when you're talking about any politician. You know, uh, any politician is, is viewed as opportunistic. Quinnipiac just had a, a poll, and please don't ask me to give you the precise numbers, but they asked, is it more or less, is it a good thing or a bad thing that Charlie Crist 
uh, switched his position and, and embraced the Democratic Party after being a lifelong Republican. And uh, a, a significant plurality said it was a good thing, that it shows flexibility. So, so we'll see if that holds. He's, he's leading slightly. Uh, you know, four, five, six points in, in most polls, but Rick Scott is going to have extraordinary money uh, to to spend defining Charlie Crist and, and picking on some issues that Charlie has not has not uh, faced before. And and we'll we'll talk about those. Let's talk for a second about Rick Scott. Uh, he's been governor for about three and a half years now. It's his first public office. How's he doing? You know, I think if you talk to uh, certainly his office and to a lot of Republicans, they'll say he's doing just what he said he was going to do, and that's uh, Florida's unemployment rate is is, uh, steadily dropping. He's cutting regulations. He's cutting taxes. He's uh, focused like a laser on creating jobs, and it seems to be working. Nobody expected him to be a uh, especially uh, polished, uh, likable, slick politician, and he certainly isn't. And then if you talk to a lot of other people, he's just... It's almost like he's he's stuck where he was right after a very divisive governor's race uh, almost four years ago. It just sort of calcified these these negative feelings about him. Did, did Charlie Crist, or and maybe does Charlie Crist, but did he when he was governor? Did he connect you know better, differently with um, Florida voters than Rick Scott is, or or it's a different time and connecting means something very different even today than it did uh, you know whatever it was six, eight, ten years ago. No, I think there is unquestionably, I mean, you look anywhere across the country, Charlie Crist is an incredible politician. I mean, truly, Bill Clinton, not maybe in terms of substance, but in terms of ability to connect and empathize with people, with people, you know, the, the feel your pain thing, Charlie is extraordinary. I mean, people really do connect with him and vice versa. Rick Scott, you know, I think he's had the, the best coaches that, that money can buy, and he is just, you know, he's a CEO. He's never been a politician, and, and by now it's clear he's never going to be good as a communicator. And so you one wonders why he doesn't sort of embrace that more and, and just sort of say, look into the camera and say, look, I know I'm a little uh, uh, awkward, I'm a little nerdy, I'm not the warmest guy in the world, but look, I'm getting your state back to work. Please give me another four years. And you, you mentioned the money has been flowing in. Is this starting to come in from, from external sources? I mean, you know, you, you had it, of course, uh, with that, uh, you know, Alex St. Jolie race. Uh, a bunch of money came in, came in for that. But is it coming in already, you know, from external sources for the governor's race or, you know, Rick Scott being, you know, he's independently wealthy? Is, it, is outside money not really an issue? Well, he is independently wealthy, and and I think there was a. I, I think if he weren't worth, uh, you know, more than a hundred million dollars, he very likely would have had a primary because there are a lot of Republicans that were, that are very anxious about Rick Scott's ability to hold the governor's office, and yet he telegraphed very early on, um, and not by accident, that he was going to spend a hundred million dollars in this election, and there's no better way to dissuade ambitious Republicans from trying to take on the incumbent than than the thought of facing, uh, you know. A twenty-five million dollar negative campaign or more, uh, so he's he's gonna he's gonna get no credible primary opponent, and you're the governor in a state. We just had our legislative session, so right now he's in uh, the sort of period where he can he can veto legislation. So this is a very uh, another a very key time to raise money still. And there's one of the parlor games around here is once that veto period ends. Are a lot of lobbyists and special interests uh, going to start up? Be more willing to maybe uh, 
play both sides and, and give to Charlie Crist because it really looks like a 50-50 race at this point. And so with the 2014 Florida legislature just having ended, what are some of those key issues? I mean, and I, I read some of your pieces. I mean, immigration, uh, you know, education was, was at play. Um, there was a stadium bill, I guess, that was uh, just passed as well. In terms of key potential vetoes and key issues that just, you know, went through the legislature that, that you know, could come into play politically and, and with money, um, what are some of those? You know, it's it's not so much the key issues. In fact, this is an election year legislature, legislature so there really was very little uh, of great controversy or, or in some ways significance that, that occurred in this legislature. And that's by no accident. There was some, you know, Rick Scott wanted some tax cuts. He wanted to say he was giving more money to education. I think Republicans were trying to uh, change their image as being uh, anti-Hispanic or at least uh, excessively tough on immigration. So they had this in-state tuition uh, legislation that passed. But I think most of the thing are sort of some of the stuff that's probably buried in the budget. You know, they may be pork projects or contracts and that sort of thing. And those are the kinds of things that really attract your your uh, campaign donations. Oh, and, and just to follow up on, on one of the questions earlier, in terms of that outside money, I mean, in some of these key Senate races and these battles, you know, for, for the control of the U.S. Senate, you're starting to see a lot of money, you know, the Americans for Prosperity or, or uh, um, you know, the, the Senate Majority PAC, uh, Harry Reid's PAC, you know, things like that. Is that type of outside money finding its way to Florida because of the governor's race? Or no, it's, it's a bit more issue-specific type money that's coming in? You know, I think that that kind of money has been more uh, likely to go to Senate races and yeah. House races, but I think there has been some Americans for Prosperity money in um, uh, in the governor's race, at least against Charlie Crist, and I think you're going to see some more of that. I, mean, I do think there's – if I mean, really, this um, we're in this bizarre state where the last several presidential elections, the Democrats have won Florida, and yet you go to Florida's capital, Tallahassee, and the Democratic Party is – for all purposes, irrelevant and, and non-existent. And so, you know, there, there is this view that you have a very unpopular uh, incumbent Republican governor, and if the Democrats can win the governor's mansion, and arguably this is the best chance they've had in a long time, that is the beginning of the uh, of the Democrats' ability to, to really rebuild the party. Because once you have the governor's mansion, you can raise money. And once you have money, you can win other statewide offices and other legislative offices. Anything to the rumor that uh, Senator Bill Nelson might consider running for governor? You know, he's it's bizarre. He, he certainly seems to every you know couple months when it when it, that rumor dies down, he'll go somewhere. He'll say something like, oh, "I'm still tempted to do it," but I think it's really not going to happen. Uh, I think he can't help himself doing that, and I do think you know there is a sort of a, the uh, old lions of the Democratic Party, the few that are left do sort of look at Charlie Crist and think, really? That's who my party's looking for to, as the savior when this guy's been a Republican all his life? And I think there is a there is still a fear, even though Charlie Crist is a is a head in the polls uh, for now, there's a fear that uh, he could really end up being a uh, – there could be a meltdown, and this, this could, he may not be an especially strong candidate in the end. What what role is President Obama playing vis a vis Chris? I mean, Chris endorsed him. Uh, is that you know is that support there? Is it you know should it be there? Would that play well in Florida, or or should you know Obama kind of stay away at this point? 
I think it's an open question. I think the support is absolutely there, and I think Obama is very is truly grateful uh, for Charlie Crist, not only for the amount of uh, time Charlie spent on the road with him in, in Florida campaigning, really more than any other uh, Democratic official in Florida, Charlie Crist campaigned with Obama, and that was no accident. Charlie Crist had very good approval ratings with independent swing voters, uh, but especially way back when with the stimulus package where Charlie Crist was the only Republican to stand up and, and actually be a cheerleader for the stimulus package. So I think Obama really does uh, feel a debt of gratitude for, to Charlie Crist. Jim Messina is consulting with the Charlie Crist campaign, uh, but I do think, you know, Charlie is actually, oddly enough, he's... he's uh, He's not just sort of uh, quasi-embracing Obamacare. He's he's sort of all in and calling it a, a great, great effort, even even some of the problems with the rollout. So I, I think we don't quite know yet how well that plays, or or what Obama's approval ratings, uh, or, or what is going to be a drag come November. And on Obamacare, how is that playing there? And I know there's been you know issues around the lack of the extension of Medicaid. Rick Scott, I guess, having the the health background with the hospitals in, in Columbia. What's the view on Obamacare, the Medicaid extension? What's going on down there? Um, you know, the Medicaid expansion expansion uh, has so far not been a great liability for the uh, Republican-controlled legislature that is that has declined to expand Medicaid. Rick Scott sort of had everybody scratching their heads. He was initially, you know, made his name as a as a fierce critic of Obamacare. Then he sort of gave tepid support for expanding uh, Medicaid for about a million uninsured people in Florida. But then he never did anything about it. So the legislature didn't do anything. It doesn't seem to be a liability for the legislature. Obama. Obamacare is, I think, more of a negative than a positive in most polls, but there's at least some anecdotal evidence that that is beginning to change. Just just last week, Rick Scott went and did a, uh, an event that was really a quasi-campaign event with seniors in, I want to say Palm Beach, it was Palm Beach or Broward County in southeast Florida, uh, to sort of trash uh, the cutting of uh, Medicaid, Medicare Advantage and Obamacare in general. And instead, he was surrounded by all these seniors that were praising uh, the Affordable Care Act and and calling on uh, the state to expand the Medicaid uh, coverage. So it didn't exactly fit in with his talking points. Yeah. In in fact, that earned him uh, uh, your loser of the week or something like that, didn't it? Which did I'm sure he's just devastated by that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's well, he'll get over it. But but yeah, yeah I, I heard. Yeah, no, I, I saw all his time. all his tweets on that. He was he was pretty upset. <laughs> uh, um, tell all books in Florida. Um, Jim Greer has one, um, and then perhaps Jennifer Carroll, the former lieutenant governor, is going to have another. First of all, uh, Jim Greer's book, uh, for, uh, former Florida GOP chairman. What is the book, and why is uh, Charlie Crist worried about it? You know, Jim Greer is the uh, Republican Party chairman and former BFF of Charlie Crist, who, who ended up uh, going to prison for uh, effectively stealing money from the Florida Republican Party. He had a sort of quasi-secret contract that was funneling money to him, uh, several hundred thousand dollars. He's always maintained that Charlie Crist knew about it. Charlie Crist has always maintained he didn't. Um, so it's a little unclear just how mu- how devastating how much trouble it's going to be for Charlie Chris. It's certainly not helpful. Uh, and in terms of the lieutenant governor, she was the Rick Scott's uh, lieutenant governor. Had to resign amid a controversy to her ties to a uh, to a, a, a 
quote, supposedly a veterans a charitable outfit that was really a, a gaming outfit that was doing all kinds of shenanigans. You just wonder, does anybody who's going to buy a, a tell-all book by a lieutenant governor? <laughs> I mean, I don't think you know ninety-nine out of a hundred Floridians could not name who the lieutenant governor is, let alone go fork out twenty-six dollars for her book. So I, I don't think that's going to be a big problem. That one will be nothing. And, and the Jim Greer book will it you know beyond a day I'll or two? I buy it. I will buy it, uh, but I don't know. I, I really wonder. I will. I will read that eagerly. He was uh, quite a character, uh, but I, you know, I, I think whatever he says, people are going to take with a grain of salt. And there's some question. You know, he did plead guilty. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, he, he was pleading innocent and saying he was going to take down all these leading Republicans, and in the end, he, he admitted guilt. So it's hard to take him too seriously at this point. Let's turn to President 2016. Is Jeb Bush running? You know, we do this thing periodically, the Florida Insider Poll, where we survey all the uh, intelligentsia of Florida politics, the lobbyists and the consultants and the fundraisers, et cetera. And I can't recall, but I want to say it was like two-thirds of those folks a few weeks ago thought Jeb Bush was going to run. And uh, I would not uh, – I don't poll myself, but I would think it's more likely he doesn't than does. It was just my hunch. It's still hard for me to – Picture Jeb Bush uh, in in you know he's, he's it's been a while since he's been on the ballot. He's not the most uh, patient guy with with a lot with with the media even in the old cycles where it was 24 hour news cycles, not minute by minute news cycles. So I'm not sure he's really going to give up the the cushy life he's got now for running for president. But it's, he's certainly got a lot of people encouraging him. Yeah, and, yeah. and Marco Rubio, I think, yeah. definitely will run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's busy endorsing uh, state senators in Iowa for uh, you know the U.S. Senate. Um, that's not the you know that, that's the, obviously geographically it makes a whole lot of sense why someone in Florida would be endorsing someone in Iowa. I mean, that's that has nothing to do with presidential ambitions, right? But Miami uh, really has a lot uh, in common with Des Moines. <laughs> yeah, it's a sister city, right? Right, right. So they're they're pretty much uh, sympathico. So, but going back for a second on on Jeb Bush, so that that's interesting because you know if the insiders are seeing it, certainly there's a lot of talk that he's going after the Chris Christie donors, potentially going after the Chris Christie donors. But is it is it more that you um, maybe don't think that he would want to get into it, or you when you see him and and read about things that he's doing in the state, are you not seeing? actions by Jeb Bush that would be consistent with someone who's really, you know, thinking hard or, or you know, is, is really aching to, to make a run for president? Well, both. I do not see, uh, in a way that you do with, with say, uh, a Marco Rubio or Rand Paul or some of the others, the sort of methodical, uh, let's check off boxes, let's visit this, let's visit that, uh, let's bring this person on board, that person on board. That doesn't seem to be happening in, in Jeb world at all. I mean, he does have more so than some of the others the luxury to wait, because he would have a, a probably the the uh, an enormous fundraising network, as as it seems like the darling of the establishment of the of the party. But you know, also it's just sort of the temperament. I mean, he you know he he's he's gotten in trouble. You know, he gives a he gives a speech or a Q and A to Fox News where he throws out a line about. Um, being compassionate to illegal immigrants and it's an act of love, and he's crucified. And I just don't know that he's got the patience to deal with that day in and day out. And what about the Tea Party versus so-called establishment? That that you know internal Republican fight. How, how is that playing in Florida? I mean, right there with Jeb Bush and and Marco Rubio. I mean, you you really almost have it 
personified and, and, you know, Rubio knocking Christ out of that Senate battle, you know, a couple of years ago. How, how is the tension between Tea Party and establishment within Florida? You know, in a way, I think that tension is more so uh, is greater outside of Florida. One of the odd things for someone like me who's watched Jeb Bush for, for a long, long time is this is this view uh, in Washington, or at least nationally, that he's this moderate, squishy Republican. And, you know, here in Florida, that that could not be farther from the truth. Yes, he's moderate and he's squishy on, on immigration. Yes, he supports Common Core, which is uh, a, potentially a big problem. But basically, the people that have seen him in Florida have seen a, a very aggressive, almost radical, uh, conservative uh, activist. And that's what he was like as governor, do, pushing big controversial ideas, especially on education reform. And there was nothing moderate about him. It's 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 more a reflection on what's happened to the party nationally than than what's happened with Jeb Bush, I think. And then there's Hillary and the Quinnipiac poll showing that she could beat either Bush or Rubio. In fact, she beat uh, Rubio 52 to 40, uh, Bush 49 to 41. Is that what you expected when you saw those results? I'm not sure I would have expected her to be that far ahead of Jeb Bush. I'm not that surprised with, with Marco Rubio. But, you know, Hillary in many ways is a perfect candidate for Florida. And that's why, you know, there were a lot of people, probably including myself, that in 2008, you know, thought Obama was going to end up uh, skipping Florida because, you know, he wasn't especially strong with Hispanics. He wasn't especially strong with with uh, with uh, Jewish voters. He wasn't especially strong with with uh, with seniors. And so that and all of which Hillary has always been and Bill have been extremely strong with. So, uh, you know, she has a vast, vast network in Florida that, that has been building for a long time. She never got to tap it in 2008 because there was this uh, crazy uh, situation with the Florida primary where the Democrats essentially uh, boycotted Florida. But she's going to be very, very strong in Florida, I think. And are folks starting to almost run against her, or is all the focus right now on the Republican side purely on the Republican side and thinking about you know positioning uh, and 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 obviously at, at some point a primary? But are folks thinking about how to position themselves against Hillary Clinton if she does decide to run? I think it's too early for that. I still kind of go back to uh, the beginning of the 2008 uh, Republican presidential primary where you'd go to all these events, uh, Republican events in Florida, and it was just, you know, Hillary, Hillary, just she was just trashed. If you remember, you know, John McCain would periodically have to tell people to sort of tone down their language that, you know, because they would just use these horrible words. She was, she was the biggest punchline uh, around in terms of red meat speeches. And then by the end of that, primary against Obama, you know, you'd go everywhere and, and Republican women especially would be just sort of saying, you know, I hate, I always hated Hillary and Bill, but you got to admire Hillary Clinton. So I think uh, she's going to be very strong among independent voters and swing voters too. And how is Rand Paul playing? He's, he's picking up a great deal of momentum elsewhere. Uh, what about in Florida? We haven't seen him, um, so I, I'm sure the activist base, he's, he's probably doing pretty well, but it's, you know, it's so early, and this is such a big state uh, that so much of this is, you know, changes once the, once the TV ads, et cetera, start, start happening. But Rand Paul, I'm sure, has been here quietly raising money in some parts of the state, but we haven't seen him really uh, making much of a big push. And it's also unclear whether Florida's going to have another early primary like we have in the last few cycles. 
yeah, and that'll that'll determine a lot. And, and ju- just lastly, Adam, just to, to round things out, and in terms of you know the the sentiment in Florida and where where things are moving. I mean, you you wrote the other day, you know, with the legislature ending, um, you, you wrote that the Republican led legislature in a blue presidential state comes out of a sixty day session with an image makeover leaders describe as compassionately conservative. Is the legislature in Florida moving a little bit more towards the middle? Was that just more of a makeover? And no, they they aren't really, you know, in term. And, and is that representative of where Florida is and the Florida voters? Kind of wh- where do you see the state and the voters right now? And, and really based on what you saw in the legislature. Well, I do think you know it, it, the legislature. I view sort of as the establishment of the party, and so the people that are. Pushing some of these things like in-state tuition for uh, uh, for uh, uh, children of undocumented immigrants or some forms of medical marijuana, these are things that uh, some legislative leaders who have safe districts and don't have to worry about re-election, they want to push for uh, just to sort of give it an image remake uh, makeover for the for the Republican Party in general. But you look at the polling of the Republican Party. I was looking at something the other day about same-sex marriages. Almost 60% approve of it overall, including uh, independent voters, but it was something like 25% of Republicans. Uh, likewise, on uh, on medical marijuana is a big issue that's going to be on the ballot this year. Huge support among independents and Democrats and overall, but it was you know a very small minority among Republicans. So there's a sense, you know, that. Maybe the leadership of the GOP in the legislature is trying to trying to soften their image, but they're still going to have a problem when it comes to the rank and file. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm looking at uh, the website right now, and I see, you know, I knew that that graph that I just quoted was very well written. I think that that was actually written by your colleague, Mary Ellen Class, wasn't it? Um, yes, uh, I think it was. Yeah, Well, no, I, I I put you on the spot there. Sorry to have gotten it wrong, but I I should. I mean, it was so well written. I think we we probably should have known that that was uh, Mary Ellen right off the bat. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry. Sorry exactly. about that. It's sorry. Uh, sorry to put you uh, in that position. But uh, Adam Smith is Tampa Bay Times political editor, uh, one of the best. He's been named the best political writer in Florida by the WashingtonPost.com and one of the country's top 10 political reporters by Columbia Journalism Review. Uh, Adam, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having me. I'm Chris Reback. This is Political Wire Conversations.